Tonight, I'm going to be talking about who's in control. I want you to think, and I'm going to be speaking especially to the men tonight, but I want you to think, who has really been in control? Because we can have the profession of saying that God is in control, and we can fill out that survey, right? We're good at filling out surveys, aren't we? You know, God is first. Isn't he? God is first in the Christian experience. Is he really? Or is that just intellectually the case? Is God really in control? If he isn't, he wants to be. He yearns to be. Reflect for a moment, men. Reflect just over the last week. And I have to say to you that what I ask you to do, I do myself. I don't ask any man to reflect upon what I have not been asked to reflect upon. What has it been like over the last week? Who has been in control? Why is this such an important question? The reason is that if we are in control, if I am in control, somehow between here and eternity, that has to change. We all know that. And I believe we're here because we recognize that and we're wanting to cooperate with God. Isn't that right? But between here and eternity, God has to be ultimately in control because the whole problem that we're dealing with in the great controversy started when somebody up in heaven said, I want to be in control. Lucifer said, I want to be in control. Now, he didn't come out and say it quite like that, did he? (laughs) But eventually he came to the position where he not only wanted to be in control and run heaven his way, But he wanted to put his throne above who? God's throne. And when that happens, friends, when we do that, we're in big trouble. Because when I'm in control, then God does not force his way to be in control, does he? You left your home late. Has that ever happened? Men, have you ever left your home late for an appointment? You're in a hurry, and someone pulls out in front of you. Apparently, they are not in a hurry. Have you ever experienced this? I don't know how this can be, but when I am in the greatest hurry, or at least as I perceive that I really have an important appointment to meet, How is it that someone can pull out and appear, even though it's just a car, that car can appear to be in no hurry? Just like a turtle in no hurry to get to its destination. You're in a big hurry. How do you respond, men? How do we respond in that situation? Is it a beep, beep? Now, those long beeps say something, don't they? Those long beeps tell the person who is going very slowly something about the person who is pushing on that horn. Doesn't it? That happens. And especially if when you pass by that person that's going slow, (laughs) there's a look that says something like this. What is your problem? (laughs) You know, a look can do that. And that person, by the long beep, 
and the expression upon a face of a man who is in control instead of God tells that person who's in control. Doesn't it? You arrive home from work and you find out that your son has used your best screwdriver for a crowbar. And now this screwdriver looks like a letter of the alphabet and it can no longer be used for its intended purpose. How do we respond, men? Maybe I should ask our sons and our daughters. How do we respond? You know, we can smile, we can chuckle because isn't it the lot of humanity? Isn't it our human nature to want to be in control? When God is in control, I remember that I was a boy one time. That's what happens. When I let God be in control, when, by the way, that wasn't my son that did that to the screwdriver, but I've experienced that scenario in different ways. But when God is in control, I can remember that I was a boy one time. A boy that didn't always use the tools the right way. Right, Dad? <laughs> My dad can remember <laughs> when I was a boy. <laughs> but when I'm in control, men, when we are in control and God is not in control, we can't think that way or we don't give time for God to let us think that way. What ends up happening is not the picture of God in control. It's the picture of humanity separated from God that often is painted in that situation. You see, I'm finding that, yes, the lessons need to be learned. Our young people need to learn to use the tools right. But the lessons are learned so much better when God is in control. You know, our Heavenly Father longs to have the full control of each one of us men. He longs for that. He longs to restore us. He doesn't want control of us because He just wants to get us herded into a big group that He has control over and He can dictate. He longs to restore us to the place. Do you know that in heaven, before Lucifer introduced his selfishness. The angels didn't even recognize that there was a law that they were having to abide under because the law of love in heaven was so powerful that it's just, that was their highest service to serve God. It wasn't like they were under a program. God wants to restore us to that place where to serve him is the spring of our action. You see, He created us. He has redeemed us. And He will recreate us. Do you believe that? He will recreate us, completely restore us, if we will allow Him to be in control. And that is not an easy thing to do. Isaiah understood that it was not an easy thing to do. God speaking through Isaiah said, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, 
What makest thou? Isaiah 45, verse 9. Can we put that in modern terms? <laughs> do we ever strive with our maker? I do. Doesn't feel very good to be made something that I don't feel like being made right now, does it, men? It doesn't feel very good to be stretched when you don't want to be stretched. It doesn't feel very good when the car pulls out in front of us and we have something very important to accomplish. It doesn't feel good when God is asking us to let him mold us into something that in the moment we don't feel like being molded into. Verse 13 says, I will direct all his ways. Will God really do that? Will God really direct us or was that just something for the Old Testament times? God will direct our ways. God wants to direct our ways. He will direct our ways if we will allow him to be the potter and we the clay. You see, real Christianity chooses to let God have control. In spite of circumstances, in spite of the feelings, in spite of the emotions, in spite of the strong opinions, real Christianity allows God to have control no matter how convincing self may be. I want to share a simple illustration of being in control. A couple of years after Elaine and I were married, a good friend of mine invited me to go flying with him to my old alma mater in Michigan, where I graduated. We were going to fly there. It was a beautiful Sunday morning when we took off. He had one of these tail draggers. How many people here fly airplanes? Okay, it's a few. He had a tail dragger. I guess those are supposed to be harder to land rather than a tricycle gear. My son tries to explain some of this stuff to me. Anyway, he had one of those. Had very basic instruments. It was an old tail dragger. So he couldn't fly up in the clouds. He could only fly visually. So that means that he had to stay under the clouds and he had to have a certain amount of visibility. It was a nice day. That wasn't a problem. And so we were flying along, having a nice flight. After about one hour, we hit some very dark storm clouds. Very big. You know those kind that billow, billow up and they go higher and higher? And so my friend began to try to fly around this front and the front kept getting lower and bigger and lower. Finally came to the place that we had to turn around. He knew that we could not keep going forward. And so we began to turn around. And we started banking to the left in the airplane. Just taking a, a left turn. And we went into this huge wall of clouds and it was sudden darkness. And we're not supposed to be in the clouds, right? I knew that much. 
And we were in a left bank, and it seemed like we were in those clouds a long time. And I looked over at my friend Merwin, and he had a very strained look on his face, and there was sweat on his brow. And, I mean, we were flying along fine. Yes, it was dark in there, but everything was fine, I thought. You know, you've heard the term, ignorance is bliss. Well, I was very ignorant, and so we are flying along, and I looked at Merwin in this intense strain, and suddenly, he let go of the yoke. Can you imagine that? He let go of the thing that steers the plane. I said, Merwin, what are you doing? Because that part didn't seem right to me. Okay, I didn't know anything about what, he, what was going on other than that, but it didn't seem right that he was letting go of the steering wheel. <laughs> and, <clears throat> well, what I didn't understand is what he did understand. You see, there were some laws of physics that I didn't know about. Okay? He didn't try to explain it to me then. <laughs> I understood that. <laughs> but later, as we got out of that situation... He explained to me some things that he had learned about not trusting our personal feelings and perceptions in situations like that. He said, you know, that it's possible to be in a dive because of the type of instruments that this plane had and the, the, I don't know all the terms that, that go with it, but if you want to try this sometime, just get in a chair and have somebody turn you slowly around and you'll think you know right where you ended up. And maybe you will the first half turn or even a full turn, but let him turn you a few times and pretty soon you'll be so disoriented that you will not know which way is east, west, north, or south. He knew that he had to trust a higher law than his feelings. He knew that it was possible that we could be in a very dangerous situation and we wouldn't be able to feel the sensation of what was really happening until it was too late. I'm thankful that he was willing to let go of the yoke when he did. He did it on principle, by faith. Faith in laws that were higher than the laws that were governing me at that moment of my feelings. What are you doing? You don't let go. Yes, you do let go of the steering wheel. And men, we are not letting go enough in our Christian experience because our habits, our impulses, our circumstances tell us we must do what we've always done, right? We must be in control here. We cannot let go. Merwin understood that he had to let go because the laws that he had learned were embedded in his mind and his soul and they were higher than his feelings, his emotions. And they overcame the circumstances that we face that day in the airplane. And they were a part of bringing us safely back to the runway and home again. You see, too often, we really aren't willing to let go, man. We aren't willing to let go because we feel like it's weakness to let go. Well, it is weakness to let go if we're not letting go when God is calling to us. It's weakness to let go of our temper, but I'm talking about letting go of those old ways of responding, 
Letting go when we feel like everything around us is going wrong. Letting go to the higher laws of the God who is calling to be in control of our lives. You see, we can be feeling like we're flying pretty good comparing ourselves among ourselves, and we can be in a spiritual dive. And you know how you find out? You go to the higher laws. You don't trust your feelings, man. We can't be safe trusting our feelings. We can't be safe trusting ourselves, just comparing ourselves to those around us. We've got to go to the higher laws and find out who's really in control. The wise man said it this way, Trust in the Lord. With how much of your heart? Is this just rhetoric? Is it possible for us to trust God with all our heart? And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what? He shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Brothers, this may be a very familiar text to us, but is it a present reality? Is it a present reality? If it is not a present reality, we need to set a better course. We need to allow God to be in control. Do you know that that does not have to be a long evolutionary process? Do you know that if God is not in control right now, He wants to be and He can be if we choose to allow it? That can happen right now. By making a choice of faith, God can be in control right now. We need to be Christian men, committed husbands, and godly fathers. Trusting the Lord enough to give Him all. Not just pieces of ourselves. Not just what we're comfortable with. Letting go of my way and my understanding. Acknowledging Him in how many of my ways? All of my ways. Then the promise is. And the promise is sure. Then the promise is. He shall direct thy path. These words are for us tonight, man. Do you believe that? Amen. And God is willing to make it a present reality if we're willing to cooperate with Him. You see, there's real power. There is living power in connection with Jesus Christ. We will never find it in ourselves. We will never be able to do it well enough in ourselves. But there is power in choosing tonight to connect our weakness to His strength, His enduring might. We can have His power. That means when the temptation comes and we feel like going beep. Do you know what that feels like? When we feel like that, we do not have to do that. We do not have to remain in slavery to those kind of irritations and agitations. We can have the power 
of Christ, we can, in that situation, surrender and give all and acknowledge Him in that and He will direct our paths. By faith, we can heed the call of our Savior. Willing to let go of the yoke, as it were, in the airplane. And say, Lord, right now, if I do what I always feel like doing in this situation, I'm headed for a spiritual what? Dive. Lord, and if you haven't been accustomed to doing this, challenge God. Lord, I'm willing to let it go right now. I'm willing to give this a try. My way has not worked over and over again. I'm willing to let go and see how you can change, marvelously change me and this situation that I'm facing. Brothers, he will bring us off more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. I received a telephone call from a man. He opened up some concerns and questions that he had as he had talked with someone else about me. It didn't take long for me to realize that the picture he was painting was a very one-sided picture. Have you ever experienced that? You know, there's two sides to every story. Have you heard that? Do you believe it? There's two sides to every story. The picture that he was painting was the only picture he could paint because he only had one side of the story. But it was a very strong story that he had. The cry of my human heart and my emotions rose up in me and I wanted to tell this man what had really happened. I wanted him to see the unseen piece of the picture. But the Spirit called to me and said, Who's in control? Who's in control? That's the question that we're asking tonight. Who's in control? What is most important? In this situation, my whole heart was welling up inside of me wanting to say, This isn't fair. I want the other side of the picture to be painted and the Spirit is calling to my heart saying, Who's in control? By faith I yielded to that call and accepted the grace of God and chose not to tell what I knew in that conversation. By grace, not by my strength, but my choice. And the grace of God, coupled together, took my weakness and combined it to whose strength? The strength of Jesus Christ. In the strength of Jesus Christ. What's the theme song say? I will be a conqueror. So, that's it, right? Good for the rest of the conversation. Is it a once saved, always saved? You get the victory once and you're done with it? Well... Unfortunately, a few minutes later in the conversation, a new temptation came when something was said that struck another chord. You know that when Jesus was on this earth, he faced all the temptations that we faced, but there was something in Jesus when the devil came to him and tried to pluck the chords that seemed to resound in us, he found no answering chord in Jesus. 
You know, God is trying to bring us to the place where when the cords are plucked, the cords of self, they don't resonate anymore, brothers and sisters. And men, God is looking for, for men, Christian men, who will lead the way for setting examples for young people. Whether you're a single man or a married man, God is looking for men who will allow him to take those cords that resonate with self, that make us sometimes feel so empty or so irritated or so agitated or whatever the emotions may be. God is trying to take those cords and sever their connection so that when the devil plucks them, we don't resonate. Because every one of us here knows what it feels like to have self rise. Well, he plucked another cord. And I wanted to say this. If you only knew. Now, I wasn't going to say anything, right? I wasn't going to reveal any details. So that's okay, right? Is it? Not according to the Spirit. Because that was giving me what? Some relief from that self-pulling? Do we need relief? Yes, we need relief, but not by saying something like that, do we? If you only knew. The Spirit flashed this thought to my mind. How Jesus spared Peter and Judas for as long as he could without revealing to their brethren their real condition. Now, when I had this thought, I thought, well, that's, that doesn't fit. This person isn't a Peter or a Judas. But the thought was sufficient to me. Do you know what it was sufficient to do? It was sufficient to lead me to higher ground. Because all I was feeling was my emotions. All I was, I was just focused. You know, when self wants to take over, we get a very close focus of what we're experiencing. And instead of talking faith, what does the song say? We want to tell others our, our trials and enlarge on them and get what? Sympathy. The sympathy that we what? Crave. Is that what God wants to do? Feed our sympathy? No. He wants to kill the selfishness in us. The Lord flashed that thought to my mind and it was sufficient to take me through the rest of that temptation. He will give us whatever He needs to give us. Men, do you believe that? He will give us whatever He needs to give us to go through whatever temptation we have to go through if we are willing to connect our weakness to His enduring might. I let go fully. And oh, what a peace when He had control of the steering wheel. <laughs> it's a sweet peace. Have you experienced it? It's a peace that passes what? All understanding. You cannot manufacture it. You cannot pretend you have it if you don't have it. But when you are willing to let go, 
and truly let God have control, you will experience a sweet release in that peace. Man, is God in full control of your life tonight? Really in control? If He is, then you're experiencing the first angel's message. And that's good news. The first angel's message says, Fear God and do what? Give glory to Him. Do we really reverence God enough to by faith give Him full control of my life? To live in the power of His gospel is what will bring Him the greatest glory that we can bring to Him. Did you know that? If you and I tonight want to give glory to God, the best way we can do it is not just talk about how wonderful He is, but we can give glory to God by allowing Him to have all of me, to have full control. And then, as He works out His will in me, in you, we are giving glory to God more than our lips can do. That's the highest glory we can give Him. This is not a one-time choice, brothers. It's not a one-time choice. It is one choice at a time. There are some days that I feel so pressed in by temptation that all I can see is one choice. And that's all God is asking me to make in that moment. One choice. And He will give me the grace to make that choice if I will choose to connect my weakness to His strength. When the Holy Spirit calls to our heart, our Heavenly Father has shown us that He will go to great lengths to aid us in our Christian walk. Do you believe that? What kind of lengths has He gone to already? He's given us Jesus, His only begotten Son. He's given us all heaven in Jesus. He's gone to great lengths, hasn't He? But it doesn't stop there. Not that that can be bettered, but He will personalize what that means to us. He says many times the reason that we don't receive is because we don't ask. He says, ask, and ye shall what? If you ask, for aid in this Christian walk, if you ask for God to give you the, the power to rise above sin, that prayer, that petition, that plea will never be turned aside. If all you can say is, Lord, save me or I perish, He will do it. He will come to you in that moment as He did to Peter as He sunk in the water. Ask and you shall, rele- you shall receive So I ask the Lord for many things now that I never thought about asking for before. Specific things. (laughs) I say, Lord, would you be willing to remind me when my thoughts are going to take me in control and you out of control? Would you remind me of that? You think God will do that? Absolutely. He will do it. And I said, Lord, if you can't get through to me with a simple reminder, will you interrupt me? And do it just as rudely? No. (laughs) 
Do whatever you need to do to interrupt me. And I'll tell you, God will do that. You know, I've raised up and hit my head on stuff before. I've stubbed my toe. And I've recognized that the Lord wasn't getting through to me. Now, did he cause me to do that? No. But I asked him, interrupt me, Lord. And he has been willing to do that. I remember one day I was shaving, okay? I was shaving and my mind was going off in a direction that apparently God was not happy with. And I had asked him that morning to interrupt me if my thoughts were taking me in a direction that I shouldn't be going. Because sometimes we don't recognize it, men. And we get there. And how did I get here? (laughs) And I was shaving along in these thoughts and pretty soon I wasn't even aware I was shaving anymore because I was taking off in these thoughts. And I felt that. (laughs) And instantly I recognized the Lord in that. And I thanked him for that. Because as soon as I recognized that little Nick, I instantly recognized where my thoughts were going. That's the God we serve, friends. He will do for us many things that he will not just put on us if we ask him. So don't be afraid to ask him to interrupt you. He will interrupt you, and you'll be glad that he did. And he may, if he interrupts you in the middle of a conversation, he may be gracious enough to let you tell the person why you stopped right in the middle of your sentence. Because God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of salvation. So, when he reminds us, when he interrupts us, then we have a choice to make, don't we? By faith, at that moment, I must choose to connect to God's power and heed the prompting of the Spirit. By faith, like my friend in the airplane, by faith, I must operate from the higher laws the Spirit is calling me to and let go of the yoke. When at that very moment, what does my impulse say? Hold on tighter. Don't let go. That's what self says. At that very moment is the time I need to exercise faith and let go of the yoke and let God have full control. You see, divine power and human cooperation will work out the will of God. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do. Does that mean God overrides my will? No. It means God makes known His will to me and gives me the opportunity to choose to will and to do. Does He do it for me? No. He calls to me, gives me the opportunity to make known His will. Then I can choose. Then do I do it in my own strength? Do I just let God do it and it's apart from me and I continue doing what I feel like doing? No. It's God working in us to will And to do, he empowers us to do what he's asking us to do. This is what it means to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share one final illustration about who's in control. It was a new day. I was prayerfully going through my plans with God for the day praying for a willingness to give up my way. I've learned I need to pray for a willingness to give up my way. Praying for a willingness to give up my way. 
willingness to, to not carry out my plans if they're not really God's plans according to his revealed will through the day. Instantly, the Spirit highlighted the part about really being willing to give up my plans. Now, when I say highlighted, I wish I could somehow impress this on your thoughts, but in my time with God that morning, that was like it was in bold letters. Willing to give up my plans. It just, it it was highlighted in my mind as I was praying. And I made a mental note of this. Later, as I sat at my desk that morning, considering what I thought were my highest priorities that day, a car drove in the driveway. And a man and wife came to the door and made known to me their situation. Now, very quickly, I recognized their need. I recognized the importance of their situation. Then, my plans, <laughs> my time pressures loomed in my mind. Do you understand the scenario? Okay, I saw their need. I saw their situation. But instantly, I saw my priorities, my time pressures, my plan. What do you think happened? <laughs> While I was contrasting this, and you know self was there trying to work, <laughs> the Lord reminded me of what he had highlighted that morning in my quiet time in prayer. What did he highlight? Bold letters? Those bold letters came back to my mind. Willing to give up my plan. Came right to my mind. I said, let go of the yoke. You fly the plane better than I do. And so, his providence was being revealed. His call was coming to me. I was responding to the call. And I experienced the sweet peace of letting go of the yoke. One of the biggest lies the devil tells us men is that to let go will not work out. We must hold on. We must do it our way. To let go is the most opposite thing to what we feel. But it is the way. As I committed myself anew to him right there in that situation, he assured me that he would accomplish the plans that I spoke to him about that morning in his time, in his way. The rest of the day I spent working out his plan for this couple one step at a time. Before the two of them left that day, the lady asked me this question. She said, are you ever tempted to feel under pressure? (laughs) Or overwhelmed by all the things that need to be done? I smiled. (laughs) But you know, it was a beautiful opportunity was a blessed opportunity to share how vulnerable I am to my own plans. And I shared the experience of what it would be like if I didn't allow God to have control. Because I know very well what what that's like. We all know that part, don't we? We don't have to spend a lot of time rehearsing what that's like. But I was able to share that responding to to, to that call from the Lord 
and being willing to let go of the yoke and let those pressures fall to the Lord and really open myself up to His will was the gospel for me that day. It was the power of the gospel for me that day. It was the practical understanding of how to let go for me that day. God wants to keep us moment by moment, day by day. And if we fail, God wants to raise us back up. If we fail, men, we can reach our hand up by faith and confess our failure and take hold of the hand of God to go forward. We don't have to grovel in it. We don't have to continue in in the self-pity or the whatever direction the devil tries to take us. We can get back up and keep going forward. Let's give God control tonight. He will make us real Christian men. He will make us fathers who are responding to the needs of our young people. He will make us husbands who are sensitive to loving our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Real control from God brings real power to live the Christian life. In closing, I'd like my family to come up. And we're going to sing a song taken from Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.